with the weather warming up, with the coronavirus um, being somewhat contained, with the vaccine being around uh, and people getting vaccinated, you know, summer is getting closer and closer. And now we're in, in a position where we can actually see our friends and family again. And with the weather being the way it is, you know, the first thing that comes to mind for me is let's have a cookout. So what we are doing today is we brought on uh, a good friend of ours, but also a chef, Chef Dean Ogan of Rocky Top Hospitality. Uh, we are going to ask him all kinds of questions, especially when it comes to grilling. Uh, but he's got some other really cool cooking tips for us as well. So I think you're really going to enjoy it. Yeah, I think if you like to grill at all, or even if you think, you know what, I would love to be able to grill, but I kind of mess things up a little bit from time to time, or I overcook it a little bit. Dean goes through some really, really good tips in this interview. And I think it'll, you'll find it a lot of fun and very beneficial. Um, but before we get started, I would like to say that if you've not had a chance to do so, uh, please do a couple things for us. You go check out our website, which is pomwealth.net forward slash blog. I send you to the blog because that's really going to give you a lot of information, a lot of articles there. We have a new article that comes out every single week. Uh, also, in addition, uh, if you've not had a chance to, we would love for you to give us a five-star rating if you feel that our show is a five-star show, as well as give us a written review. Uh, now we didn't talk about money at all in this particular podcast. It was just all about fun cooking, but we still need to do a disclosure just because of, uh, uh, what we do here with, uh, being financial advisors. So Merce, can you do that before we get started? I sure can. The information contained in this podcast is intended to provide general information only and not to be considered individualized advice. Different types of investments carry different levels of risk. As always, please contact your financial professional for advice appropriate to your specific situation. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Secure Your Retirement Podcast. This is the place where high achieving professionals come to gain confidence on how to successfully navigate their transition into and life during retirement. There's no such thing as a passive retirement plan. To have a successful financial future, your plan must be actively managed. Each week, we will bring you action plans and expert interviews that will help you gain insights, learn fresh perspectives, and finally experience peace of mind about your retirement. Here to help you achieve your dream retirement and live the life you deserve are your hosts, certified financial planners, Raiden Stansel and Merce Tariq. Well, we welcome you to our Monday podcast where we try to bring on the most interesting people that we can find and, and pe people that can give us a lot of good information uh, for our listeners. And so today we have a special guest, uh, Dean Ogan. And uh, Dean, if, if you know anything about us, has been a part of our, uh, what we do for our clients now for years. And um, he owns and, and operates a very large organization when it comes to catering events and things like that. He was just telling us about how much he has going on now that we are kind of coming out of COVID, but we'll talk a little bit more about that. But thank you. First of all, thank you so much, Dean, for coming on and talking with us today. Oh, thanks for having me. Good. So, Hey, could you just tell our listeners a little bit about what it is that, you know, uh, Rocky top is what that means. And, you know, and some people, a lot of people are here in the Raleigh area. Some people may not be. So could you just kind of give us a little bit of background on you and kind of how you got to where you are today. And then we'll talk a little bit about what, what, what that means to our listeners. 
Absolutely. Well, the Cliff Notes version is, is uh, I own and operate Rocky Top Catering, uh, which was founded in 1997. We're Raleigh-based, obviously. Started out as a restaurant company. Uh, we owned, uh, over the course of the last 20 years, uh, 12 unique different restaurant concepts. Uh, over the last six or seven years, we really decided that we were going to, for personal lifestyle reasons and for uh, just consolidating and getting into a, into a more uh, focused business direction, work on catering uh, and special events. So we sold off restaurants and uh, closed some when leases ended. And uh, now we do uh, almost predominantly large scale catering events, everything from weddings, corporate deliveries. Uh, one of our largest clients is the University of North Carolina athletics, where we handle uh, everything from game day activities for football, basketball, and baseball to uh, the training table for the football team, which is super cool. We feed the football team all their meals, and that's a collaboration between us and the nutrition, nutrition team, which is, that's been really fun. Yeah, so thanks for that. Thanks for that little intro there, Dean, about uh, who, who you are and how you got to where you are now. Um, uh, as some of our listeners have had the opportunity to kind of meet you virtually throughout, throughout the pandemic, we did a couple cooking classes and, uh, you taught us how to make a very, very tasty paella, taught us how to make some gnocchi. And, uh, over the past few years, you've catered some awesome events for us as well. So we know Rocky Top is very good at what they do, very good at the service they provide and the quality of food as well. Um, so, that's a that's a good intro on what Rocky Top is, but today the whole the whole topic of what we want to cover because uh, this podcast we we kind of came up with the idea of well we don't just want to be the financial advisor that's only talking finances we want to talk about different things and so this is more of a lifestyle podcast that we're going into and a lot of our listeners love cooking we've gotten so much good feedback on some of the events that we've done in the past about you know making things here and there and so today we just want to really pick your brain when it comes to cooking. And my, so my first question is with, with the weather warming up with COVID restrictions, backing down with people getting vaccinated, everyone is really itching to get back out there, whether it's to restaurants or to having family and friends over. And the first thing that comes to mind is, well, when it's warm, you want to be outside you want to, you want to be throwing a great barbecue. And so I'd like to open up with asking you, well, what are some of your, your most, you know, key grilling tips when it comes to grilling. I love grilling. I think I'm pretty good at it, but I know there's so much more than I can learn. So what are some of the tips that you've got for us today about grilling? Well, there, there are a few things that I would, I would start with. Um, first and foremost, uh, a lot of people approach grilling the same way, regardless of what they're cooking. Uh, and to me, if you, you, you have so many different approaches you're going to take, whether you're cooking a hamburger whether you're cooking chicken wings, grilling steaks, everything requires a, a, a different approach. Uh, and the approaches really matter based on the amount of fat that you're dealing with and, your, and the proteins that you may be grilling. Because when you talk about grilling, you're really talking about meats. You're talking about fish. Um, I mean, you can throw some vegetables and stuff on, which I love, but you know how you deal with different meats is really gonna um, change the result. So um, you know, the, the first thing for lean proteins, uh, and I would consider lean protein something like a filet, uh, a beef or uh, chicken breasts. Um, if you're going chicken breasts or even ribs, once you've put ribs onto a grill, uh, most of the fat's usually off of them. Uh, you know, the hotter the heat, the better for me. Um, 
the 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 char on the meat really adds a, a layer of flavor that I think is really important, and that's that's what grilling is all about is about getting a little bit of char on your meat. Um, before you get to the grill, one of the more important things I like to recommend is to bring your meat to room temperature prior to cooking. Uh, taking it directly out of the refrigerator, and most people's refrigerators are going to be around 38 to 40 degrees, and putting it on a super hot grill um, is not going to get the result you want. It's going to cook, take longer to cook to the center, uh, as opposed to meat that's been brought to room temperature first. And then the same thing goes, and this is one of the most important things with grilling, is resting the meat once you've cooked it. So, you know, if you take a steak that you've cooked on the grill and you take it and you put it directly onto a cutting board and you cut right into it, all the juices are going to run all over the cutting board. By resting the meat, and a, a, an easy tip for resting is you want to rest the meat for an equal amount of time that it was on the grill. So if, you're, if you cook the steak for 10 minutes, you want to rest it for 10 minutes to let all the juices kind of go back where they came from. Like think, think about it this way, like if you got thrown onto a bunch of hot coals, <laughs> right? Your body would just scatter. Everything would go crazy, right? So the steak's gonna be the same thing. So you wanna let all those juices go back and you'll notice that when you cut a pork chop or you cut a steak, um, if you rest it, you'll see very, very, very little juice. Even if you like your meat medium well or well done, you'll see, you'll see it, it'll be a lot juicier throughout if you leave it um, and you rest it. That, that's probably the most important thing for me. Um, and then the last two things for grilling, um, most meat, unless you marinate it, requires a decent amount of salt and pepper. Um, experiment with what you like at home, but um, li I liberally season chicken and I liberally season beef with, especially hamburgers, with quite a bit of uh, salt and pepper. Uh, it's, it's, you're generally gonna find that it really needs it. Um, and then the last thing, uh, what does almost everybody do when you go over to some, your, 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 your pal's house for a barbecue and they cook a steak? What do they do almost every time? They overcook it, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you see overcooked steak all the time. Um, don't be afraid to use a meat thermometer. I mean, having a really, really good meat thermometer uh, in, your, in your utensil or your catch everything drawer in your house that we all have in our kitchen is really, really important. Um, you know, and, you know, good rule of thumb, you know, medium rare is going to be 130 degrees. You want to get your meat thermometer right into the center. Um, and, you know, you can always, I always tell people, you can always cook your steak more, but you can't cook it less. So taking a slower approach and checking it as you go will prevent you from overcooking your, the, the steak. So um, on that point right there, because, you know, um, I, I do kind of have my method where I kind of know the way I like a steak it, based on the, the, the thickness. I kind of know my timing, but somebody comes over and they go, Hey, I want mine a little different than what I now I'm lost. You know, mm -hmm. I usually like my steak about medium to, uh, you know, like not so medium rare, more, a little bit more medium. And somebody comes over and says, I want medium rare. Well, I don't know how to cook that. I mean, off of my method. So my question is if I use a thermometer, and then I rest it the way you're saying. So I cook it for whatever, eight minutes, and then I let it rest for eight. Am I, is, I'm assuming it's going to cook a little bit more uh, throughout that resting process or, or, or won't it? Okay, so we, that's a great point. What you're referring to is carryover heat. So if you're taking something 
off of a, a grill and it's it, it was a 500 degree grill, it is going to continue to come up in temperature for a short period of time. So you, you do you do want to adjust to that and you have to get a feel for everybody's grills different. You got to get a feel for it. So if you like a medium steak, you want to be closer to somewhere between 135 and 140 degrees internal temperature. I would I would pull it, pull your steak off at 130 and check it in a few minutes and see what it looks like. The other thing is, is, you know, you're going to see some steaks that are, you know, perfectly an inch or two inches thick throughout. But when you speak to when you're entertaining, you're going to see most steaks are going to have, you know, some different levels of thickness. You're going to be able to, to provide a different level of temperature for your guests by that, that measure, if that makes sense. Yep. Something I love to do is cook whole fillets. So I'll, cook, I'll, I'll buy a whole fillet at Costco or... I'll snag one out of the cooler at work, you know, not tell anybody, so, <laughs> but you know, I I'll season it and I'll cook the whole thing in a filet, you know, has a tail end and then it has a head end, a thick end uh, that provides me with everything from rare in the center to like a medium. That's a really good one for entertaining as well. So but, you cook it and then slice it up and then people can take what portion, what they like of those different temperatures. Exactly. And, and it's kind of fun. You, you, once you rest it, filet is one of the best things to do for a group because it's, it's steak, it's lean, you know? So if somebody doesn't like fatty meat, you're kind of satisfying, you know, that, that person. Um, and it, the whole filet, you know, you cut that thing and it's going to have everything from rare to medium or from medium rare to medium well, because it's got such a different layer or different level of thickness end to end. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of things you said there that um, the resting part, I, I'm really glad you said that because I, we, I grilled quite a bit, but with, with the baby being just one, one years old, he goes to bed right around like seven. And that's when I usually start grilling. So by the time I'm done, especially if it's something a little bit longer, I'm pulling something off the grill at seven 30 and then, and everyone's hungry at that point. And then I say those words, well, we got to let it rest for a minute. And my wife just gives me this look, she's ready to eat right <laughs> then. But so I'm glad you said that so that mm -hmm. I can make her listen to this and you know <laughs> say, Hey, chef Dean said so. So now we got to do it. Um, you know, if but I, something else, you know, just to, to uh, speak to that, as far as how you organize your whole meal, you know, you want everything to come out hot and, and you want to serve everything hot at the same time. So, you, you know, most people aren't going to just eat the steak. They're going to have, let's say, mashed potatoes and asparagus. Um, if, when you take your steak off the grill and you put it off to the side, that's when you can sear your asparagus or roast your asparagus and you can mash your potatoes and you can set your table and do other things to time it, to make sure that you're timing yourself and forcing yourself to let the steak rest as long as you want it to. Because I mean, I mean, it really makes just a, a, a massive difference in the quality. Yeah. Do you have a thing about, sometimes I'll, I, when I take mine off, I'll wrap it, like I'll put it, have it a plate and I'll put aluminum foil, foil over it. it. Would you recommend that? Not recommend that? Just let it be open? Like, do you have a, a thing about that? I do it I because I want to hold the heat in. So I, that's my thinking. And that's, and that's another great point. You know, some people don't like the resting process because the steak is, isn't going to be super hot, you know, because you're, you're letting it sit out at room temperature for, if you grilled it for 10 minutes, for 10 minutes. But to me, the trade-off is much better to have something that's warm to hot, that's super juicy than hot and, you know, dry as sandpaper. Right, right. Yeah, but yeah. Wrapping, wrapping it in foil, um, you can do that if you have an extended resting period. Um, 
I, I personally put mine on a cookie sheet so that I'm getting cooling and air from underneath and on top. Okay. Mm. I hope that you are enjoying the show. By the way, if you are in or nearing retirement and are someone who wants to gain clarity on what questions you should be asking, learn what the biggest retirement myths are, and identify what you could be doing to achieve peace of mind for your retirement, get started today by requesting your complimentary video course, Four Steps to Secure Your Retirement. To access the course, simply visit pomwealth.net forward slash podcast. If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in applying these principles to your life. So head over to pomwealth.net forward slash podcast and check us out. Well, I got a, um, and when you said the, the growth thermometer, I think that makes all the sense in the world. I used to just kind of eyeball my, my stake and everything, or just set a timer and then flip it, you know, and, and the, the thermometer really takes a lot of the work out of it. And you can get them for as cheap as like 10 to 15 bucks, or you can Mm -hmm. get some really nice ones. I got a a gifted one last year by by my wife. um, And it was, it's a little bit nicer, but it's got a Bluetooth thing to it. So it it, it connects to my phone and I can sit on my couch and just kind of really watch what's going on in the, in the grill at the same time. So it's really nice. But so thanks for sharing on that. What is your favorite grilling recipe right now? Well, my, my favorite grilling recipe has been the same for a long time. Um, and that is, uh, um, I do baby back ribs, but I do them, I don't do them with barbecue sauce. I do them with hoisin sauce, which is uh, a sauce that you can find um, in the Asian section of pretty much any grocery store. It's, uh, it's, almost like, it's, it's almost like an Asian barbecue sauce with soy sauce um, incorporated. Um, very thick. I, it, it makes the best ribs uh, that I've ever had. And anytime I switch up at my house, where I have people come over and I grill ribs and I put barbecue sauce on them, they get mad at me because they love the hoisin ribs so much. Um, but the key, the, the key to that is, um, the, is the braising of the ribs ahead of time. Um, I don't cook, I, I don't believe in cooking ribs all the way on a grill. Uh, I think they get entirely too dried out. So I braise mine. Um, I put them in a pan and I, I season them with salt and pepper and I wrap it in saran wrap first and then aluminum foil. And the saran wrap keeps in the steam and the foil keeps in the heat. And I do it airtight with about an inch of water or beer in the bottom of the pan. And I cook them in the oven for two and a half to three hours at 300 degrees. Hmm. So when they come out, they've been steamed and, or braised and they're, they're like butter. You can barely pick them up. And once you let them cool, the muscles kind of contract and tighten around the bones. And then you can finish them by charring them on the grill. Mm. And I char them with that hoisin, hoisin sauce. And that's always been my favorite. So when you do that, what, what are you doing a temperature on those? No, no, they're, they're cooked all the way through. Uh, yeah. Okay. So you're just, the grills just to give it that crispiness, I guess. Yeah. You're getting yeah. the, you're, you're, you're caramelizing the sauce on the outside so you're getting this incredible sweet salty um, on the ribs. That that's just I, I think it's unbeatable. I, it's my favorite. So what do you do? Coat, let them let them cook, turn them, cut again, and then coat it a couple times and just let it cook on a little bit. Yep. Heat, turn, baste, turn, baste, turn, baste, turn until I've got you know some caramelization where the sauce is kind of really really cooked into the ribs. So I, I'm looking for the black grill marks on there. And you're doing the sauce right out of the jar. Right out of the jar. 
yeah, yeah. not doing anything. I, I wish Alex, I had something trickier than that, but that's, no, that's, but that's awesome. Favorite. So are you saying, can you, I don't know. I don't want to make you spell it if you don't know how to spell it. Like if it's not right in front of you, but how, tell me what you're saying. You're saying Hoisin? Yeah. H-O-I-S-I-N. Okay. I, I'm making a note. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, my favorite. Yeah. We've used it before too. And it, uh, it's, it's thicker than just like a, uh, soy sauce. So it, it seems like it would work really well on a grill. Um, so transitioning away from grilling and just cooking in general. Now, a few years ago, this thing that was invented, uh, uh, the Instapot, that was a huge, huge thing. And it was, everyone was getting that as a gift and uh, all these recipes came out for it. But now more recently, uh, there's this thing called the air fryer. I have one. I, I know a ton of people that have one. We love ours just because it seems like it's a little bit healthier um, than just dumping something into a vat of oil. So what is what are your thoughts on the air fryer, the trend that we're seeing, uh, maybe from a health perspective, but also from a taste perspective? Well, I've I, I got to be honest, I've not had a ton exposure to the air fryers. I don't own one. Um, I've, I've had some French fries out of one. I've had some fried chicken out of one from friends. Uh, and I thought it was good. Um, it's, it's, it's to me, it's almost like Turkey bacon, you know, it's right. like turkeys don't, <laughs> turkeys don't make bacon. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's really the real bacon is so gosh, darn good, you know? Right. And when you eat Turkey bacon, you're like, well, I'm eating healthier. <laughs> I'm doing a good job. I don't have to run as much today, but <laughs> I really would have preferred that delicious, greasy piece of bacon. And it's kind of like that for me with fried food. I, I personally don't eat fried food very often, but gosh, darn, when I, I, I have a, a piece of fried chicken and some French fries, I'm, it's like happy town. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. So I, I, I can't give you a lot of experience on how to use the, the air fryer. Um, but uh, my limited experience is I think good, but I, I like the real thing better. It's not the real deal. Yeah, mm -hmm. I agree. You know, it, it's, it's basically an oven that's circulating air is what it is. So, yeah. you know, it, it, but it, it works for some things. We mainly use it for veggies and it seems to work pretty well. Um, but I agree with everything you said there. If you're going to, if you're going to get something fried, you got to get it actually fried. Now, what um, do you do? What do you do with the vegetables? Do you bread them and, and, and fry them? How's How's that work? No, we pretty much we'll, we'll stick them in there. So we'll, we'll do um, uh, Brussels sprouts in there and kind of like a restaurant style Brussels sprout where it does actually start to char around the around, around the outsides. Mm -hmm. um, uh, asparagus has been really good. So but a lot of times that's really what sauce you're putting on top of it after they're done than right. more than how it was cooked. But you're you going to get your calories one way or the other. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> So you've given us a lot of things already here, but you know, one of the things I've been what we uh, were watching one of the chef shows, you know, um, I think it was top chef or whatever. And what they end with is, you know, if you, if you get kicked off, I think it was pack your knives, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously knives or utensils, things that you use in the kitchen are a big deal to a chef. So if you had to tell us like, you know, Hey, this, this is your knife you need to have for these different items, whether it be, you know, uh, cutting your steak and, you know, getting your, you know, like we talked about that big filet and we want to cut that, or if we're trying to do with vegetables, I mean, do you have anything there that we could look at and not, you know, just get stuck on in some infomercial and think, wow, that's the best thing ever. And we buy the wrong stuff. Well, a matter of fact, I do. Okay. <laughs> and you guys didn't cue me on this either. I just 
grab these. So, <laughs> so I don't have my personal knives with me, but I, I got a couple knives from the kitchen and uh, just, you know, knives are tools and, you know, you need different tools for different, you know, different applications. So, you know, the first thing every kitchen has to have is a traditional French chef knife. And that's what this one is, you know, with the pointy end. Uh, th this is a nine inch chef knife. Um, this is going to be good for everything from um, chopping vegetables uh, to um, mincing herbs, that sort of thing. It's kind of an all purpose Swiss army kind of knife knife. Um, the next knife you have to have would be, this is a paring knife or I, I call it a fish knife. Um, this is really great for, for cleaning steaks. Um, you know, if, you, if you've ever cleaned a filet before, you know it has that silver skin on the outside. This is really good to get underneath it, of it. Um, if I'm cleaning fish, um, this is really good way to start to get the skin off. I don't finish with this, but you can start to get the skin off that way. Uh, this is really great for, great for boning chicken. Like if you're gonna break down a whole chicken yourself, that's what you need this for. Every kitchen has to have a serrated edge knife with the little ridges on the top. And that's, that's for bread, okay? Um, if, if you try to use any other knife with bread, you're gonna press down on it and squish your bread. Yep. Um, I also have a smaller knife than this that's serrated. It's called a tomato knife. Um, and that's exactly what it's used for is cutting tomatoes. But um, anybody that's diced tomatoes with one of these has probably seen a bunch of mushy tomatoes on their cutting board. Right. You know, this is just too heavy and too, not the right tool. And then the last thing um, you were talking about this carving the steak, a nice big carving knife. You know, okay. This is about a 15 inch knife. It's super, super sharp. And this is awesome for carving uh, beef, uh, cutting your turkey on Thanksgiving. I think most kitchens probably have a carving knife. And then the last thing everybody's got to have is a steel. So this, you can sharpen your knives in a second, but you know, the knives are worthless if they're not sharp. So, you know, a, a, a steel at a 15 degree angle, end to end is the whole key there. A couple swipes on each side and your knife will be good as new. Huh. Mm. And is that pretty much, that sharpening is always something I, we don't have a steel, but we have like a little gadget that you just kind of run the, the knife along, but are you pretty much doing that before you use it every time? No, I, I sharpen my knives at home every couple months. And I mean, I cook a lot at home, but if, if you're just cooking a couple nights a week, you know, you, you have your steel handy. And when you start feeling that you're um, having, a, the, the, the key to a knife is this, if you feel like you're pressing down too hard, okay, then you're not letting the knife do the work. I mean, knives, I was telling one of my employees yesterday who was just going at it on a cutting board, I was like, you know, that knife is sharp for a reason. Uh, yeah. You, know, <laughs> you should, if you can't cut through something with ease, that means that the knife is not sharp enough. So that's, ge yeah. that's generally the rule of thumb for myself. All right. Well, good. Well, well, thanks for sharing these tips with us. Um, a lot of stuff on grilling the knives. That's always very important. I, I know I don't have the knives that I want right now, but I'll, we'll get them eventually. But so tell us a little bit, you know, the past year really has been very difficult, especially in the hospitality uh, environment uh, where you're in restauranting and everything like that, catering. Uh, just tell us a little bit about Rocky Top's journey 
and through the pandemic and kind of where you are now and, and, and what you, what you got going on for the rest of the year. Sure. So, so, you know, being in the events industry and catering industry, uh, we, we probably were, our business was probably disrupted more than anybody else in hospitality. Um, we, we were down last year about 85%. Uh, and just by nature to what we do, you know, we cater large events. I mean, and, and that's something that just wasn't going to happen through the, the pandemic. So um, almost immediately when all this started, we decided to pivot something we're very passionate about, which is nonprofit work. Uh, so we partnered with uh, a nonprofit locally called Overflowing Hands. Uh, I'm actually a board member and I've done quite a bit of work with them in the past. And we decided we were going to help uh, feed kids that are on the free and assisted meal programs in Wake County. Uh, these are the kids that get free or partially free breakfast and lunch meals. Um, and there are about 52,000 kids in that program. So what happened when the pandemic hit and the kids couldn't get to school, the county all of a sudden had this unbelievable problem where, you know, 52,000 kids weren't getting 10 meals a week that they normally got. So we immediately started working with Wake County Schools to figure out how we could help. And we thought we would be in that. And we started distributing meals. We thought we would do it for about six weeks. Um, we're still doing it. Um, wow. And uh, to it, it's evolved to just a crazy, crazy program. Um, it, we, we're, and it's something we're going to continue to do. But to date, we have distributed about 650,000 meals um, to upwards of 72 sites per week. Uh, we, we, and we distribute a fresh take and bake meal, which is the model that we found was best because we have the infrastructure to distribute cold meals. So like this week, for example, all of our communities are getting uh, a blackened chicken with a black bean and corn sal salsa, uh, homemade succotash and roasted sweet potatoes. And wow. we send these out with instructions in English and Spanish to where the folks can cook them. And we've also jumped into a USDA program uh, where we're getting uh, what's called a combo box. Uh, and the communities love these. They're 35 to 40 pound boxes of produce, three to five pounds of protein, gallon of milk, usually a half gallon of a yogurt, a yogurt drink for the kids that they really like. Um, and we're distributing those as well. And we've distributed right at 4 million pounds of those boxes over the last year as well. Wow. Yeah. So, and it's all, it's a, it's a 100% nonprofit model and it's, we're actually going to start doing, we're going to probably do this all the way through September 30th this year. Oh, wow, that's amazing. That's a, a lot of work, you know, to have to deal with, under, especially under the conditions that we've been in this year, you know, to still be able to do that and operate that way. So that's awesome. But before we go here, if somebody's listening and they are thinking, Hey, you know what, uh, this sounds awesome. I might, I, I have a, a grandchild or a child or myself, whatever it might be, that's thinking about getting married or wants an event or whatever, what's the best way for them to reach out to Rocky Top and to get information from you guys about working with you? Uh, RockyTopCatering.com. Uh, uh, we have an inquiry form on the website uh, that you can fill out and uh, it'll go to the appropriate salesperson and they'll get in contact with you immediately. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Dean. We certainly do appreciate you coming on and talking with us today. And uh, I've learned a lot. I'm sure everybody else has as well. Well, it's always fun talking with you guys. I really appreciate it. All right, everyone. That wraps up today's episode of the Secure Your Retirement podcast. 
If you found value in today's episode, we would love nothing more than for you to head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and a review. Be sure to take a screenshot of the review before you submit it, and we'll send you a special gift. Our book, Get Off the Retirement Roller Coaster. Just email morgan at pomwealth.net with a screenshot of the review to get your gift. Also, be sure to subscribe so you get notified of new episodes as they're released every week. And finally, please share our podcast with your favorite social network so more of your friends and family can benefit from this information. Always remember, you've worked hard to get where you are, and now you deserve to have a retirement that works hard for you.